Hi, and welcome to the Cyber Podcast. I'm Christoph Limpeler, co-founder of Cyber, and today's guest is Bob Salmons, who is a repeat guest on the show. So if you haven't seen his first episode and are interested in getting career advice, guidance, and tips for the cybersec industry, I definitely recommend that you check it out after this one. But interestingly enough, we were supposed to record both episodes back-to-back, but we weren't able to because Bob actually received an incident response call at the end of that first episode, so he had to respond to that, and we had to postpone this episode. And Bob, I don't know how much detail you can provide about that specific incident, but I'd be really curious to hear you know, what happened. What was that call about? How did you handle it, and how did you respond to that, to that incident? Sure. Uh, well, it was our good old buddy, the fish. <laughs> so we had a user at one of our clients that we uh, provide security services for. That user did, unfortunately... Uh, not remember all the training that that person had gone through and unfortunately clicked on a malicious link in a fish and provided credentials. So we then had to go in and clean things up before they escalated to a more dangerous level because the sooner you can respond and go ahead and clean up, the the better off you're going to be, especially when credentials are compromised because you don't give the attackers time to use those credentials to get back into systems. And that's a really good segue into what this episode is about. But before I move on to, to that topic, I was going to say that hopefully by now, having experienced it, I, they're likely never to forget that experience. So hopefully yes. they, they've learned the lesson and it's one less person susceptible to, to phishing attacks, which are all too common. Unfortunately, I, I just had one come through my inbox yesterday. So they're <laughs> happening, it seems like, with increasing frequency, unfortunately. But in any case, in case you haven't listen to the prior episode with Bob. I just want to give him a quick introduction and then we'll move on to the actual episode. But Bob is a veteran of the United States Navy and he's been in IT for at least 25 years. And since the last time that we spoke, Bob actually transitioned from being a security team lead at the AME group to being a trainer at CBT Nuggets. So a lot's happened in the last couple of weeks, but at the AME group, he was responsible for the client facing security operations center for threat hunting, pen testing, incident response, security assessments, um, risk assessments, compliance, and, and training as well. So a lot of different things that he had to, to handle and be responsible for. And so that's what we're going to talk a lot about in this episode. We're going to cover what it's like to be a day in the life of a security operations center or SOC, as you may have heard of it referenced, the different roles an organization might have for a SOC team, as well as entry-level position, skills, and knowledge needed to join a SOC team. So Bob, thanks again for coming back to the podcast. It's great to have you back. Hey, thanks for having me. So you kind of get, excuse me, you kind of gave an example there, but to get started and in simple terms, to start from the basics, Bob, what is a SOC? How would you describe that? Well, a SOC is usually, it's a group of individuals who keep an eye on everything. They, they uh, manage the systems that, that bring all the logs together and do analysis on them. They're looking at, you know, what's normal activity in this environment uh, when do things change? When is a new user account added? Was you know was that user account supposed to be added? When are permissions changed uh, for user accounts? So for instance, if you have a user account for a standard user and then all of a sudden they become a an admin uh, privilege level, well, that's a change that's significant. And was it authorized or is this some shenanigans going on in the environment? So really, the sock is just you know it's it's several sets of eyes. Uh, looking at things and and looking for things that are abnormal in the environment and then investigating them and responding as needed. 
So like with the example you gave earlier, you not only can detect some of those issues, but then you go in and you find ways of, of resolving those problems. And, you know, maybe even a postmortem explaining, here's how it happened. Here's how we can do better next time. Maybe probably some training for those individuals if they fall victim to a specific attack like phishing. Is that yeah, absolutely. And we use what are called playbooks. And it's basically when a certain type of incident occurs, uh, you go through certain steps. For instance, if there's a fish, uh, you, you interview the user and ask them, you know, what exactly happened? Did you click on links? And then you, you get a copy of the email and you look at the email and you investigate it. And if there was a compromise, you go further. And so these playbooks offer, uh, you know, a list of to-do items as you go through. And then there's also a post-incident playbook that goes along with each of them, uh, such as for uh, the phishing that I mentioned earlier. One of the things would be, well, we probably want to go ahead and run everybody uh, in the environment through another round of, of uh, fish training or just basic security awareness training if, if the client's up to it. Um, and the other thing is we'd want to maybe take uh, a look at that fish more uh, deeply and see if they were targeted specifically or if this was just kind of a, a, you know, a broadcast fish and they just happened to be caught in the net. Right, so, but these playbooks allow us to all of our engineers and analysts to respond in the same way, and we always go uh, to the final step, which is doing a like a post mortem or a lessons learned, as we call it, so that we can look and see, you know, is our playbook and our response tactics are they where they need to be? Do we need to change anything in them? Uh, what did we learn from this? Can we, is there something that we learned that we can include in the playbook so we can be more effective? And so some organizations may have their own internal SOC or SOC teams, and mm -hmm. then others may contract that out to a third party. And it sounds like you were working for clients, right? So organizations would hire your organization and then you would offer that service to them. Is that right? That's exactly right. Perfect. Okay. So now let's break it down a little bit more because I know this is a an area and a position that a lot of people may be interested in getting jobs in. And so I want to hear and deconstruct that a little bit more so they can know what it looks like to be in a SOC or working in a SOC and then what kinds of skills and knowledge and so on they need. So let's start with the day in the life of a SOC. What does that look like? Okay. Well, it depends on your role that you play in the SOC. Uh, there's folks who will do log review and analysis. Now, you're not actually sitting there looking through thousands of lines of log. The systems do this and they will generate alerts uh, and reports. They need, you know, people to look at. They need some human eyes and intelligence to look at them. So there's the folks doing the analysis of what's going on, what's abnormal in the environment. Uh, we also do threat hunting activities. And if you're not familiar with threat hunting, uh, what that is, is it's actually being proactive. We're proactively looking for threats that are in, in the environment. And we look at a lot of network data. And we're looking for patterns, uh, communications with abnormal domain names, things that just don't look, they're not normal. Uh, so what we want to do is we want to hunt for those things and be proactive about identifying them and making sure that our environments uh, are clean. Uh, we are, you know, we're also running uh, vulnerability scans within all of the environments, look, making sure patching is working and looking for any vulnerabilities that might be out there. So we need folks to look at those reports and kind of, uh, distill the results down into something we can act on. We can create tickets for uh, operations to 
to go and do patching as needed. And we can, we can inform the client of, of these uh, vulnerabilities that exist and show them kind of the value of how we're helping secure them. We're not only looking for new threats coming into the environment, but we're looking at what's already there and making sure that it's up to date so that it can uh, be more uh, withstanding to attacks if one was to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and then once one does happen, you've got incident response people uh, who are going to go and do investigations and cleanups. We've also got uh, pen testers uh, who, of course, do penetration testing. So that's where we're going to go out and we're actually going to attempt to break into the client's environments. Uh, or it could be from the outside or the inside. Uh, we do both. And we look at web ap- applications, mobile applications, where we do testing against them. Uh, to make sure that they are secure and the coding is secured. And then there's no matter what role you have, you're going to be generating lots of reports. Security, unfortunately, you know, the <laughs> of the security is there's lots of paperwork to do. But, you know, it's, it's necessary uh, to make sure we document everything accordingly. So within a SOC, there's lots of different roles. Now, in the smaller SOCs, like ours is not a large SOC by any means. You know, we don't have... 50 people or so working in there, uh, a lot of folks will wear multiple hats. So the analysts will probably also assist in uh, incident response because they, they, they found what needs to be investigated. So they may do the first part. And then once they get to a certain level and they need some engineers involvement to help uh, with systems or backup restores or whatever that would be, then they'll go involve them uh, as well. So again, lots of different hats to be worn in the sock. And when, you know, that there's the day-to-day and then there's, and there's what is mentioned in the job description. And then a lot of times there are other things that may not happen as frequently or may not be described in the job description. Can you think of some examples of, of responsibilities or functions that you or your team have to serve from time to time that may not be an expected one uh, or, or not one that you do on a day-to-day basis? Um, yes. Oftentimes we get called uh, from people from organizations that are not a client and they've had a breach and they really need some help. So ah. that, you know, it's a one-off. It's like, well, you're not a client, but you could be a client. Yeah. We can help you with incident response. And then along with that, we, so we'll help them clean up and get back an operational. And at that point we like to, you know, try to get them to make sure they're doing security training because that's super important. Uh, and that they understand the threats that are out there. Uh, and then a lot of times we get called from people who, uh, client, they're not clients today, but they call in and they say, you know, um, we found out that we need to be PCI compliant. We know nothing. About yeah. <laughs> so they say, can you help us uh, with our security program? We need to, to implement one. We need to get some policies in place. And of course, then we're able to help them out there. So there's lots of, you know, other than our day-to-day sock work we get calls from organizations all over the place needing help with with things like policies and incident response or or maybe it's just a pen test that they have to have done for for a compliance factor they want to make sure that whoever they hire as their security uh, service provider if they don't do it themselves that they're actually doing the job so they might hire us to do a pen test uh, so that they can make sure that they're actually uh, being secured properly so two things from that the first one is this sounds like a tremendous amount of responsibility. There's a lot of different roles. And like you said, if it's a smaller team, they're going to have to wear a lot of different hats. So if you're, if you're thinking of having this as a, an entry-level position or getting started in the, the cybersecurity industry, working in a SOC, 
and you're listening to this right now, don't get overwhelmed by that. We're going to break it down a little bit more into specific skills and things like that. So don't, don't get overwhelmed at this point. I know it could be easy to do that <laughs> just because it's so much stuff going on. But also, Bob, when you think about all those different roles, whether they're specialized and you have one person wearing that pen testing hat, one person wearing the incident response hat and, and so on, or whether it's a little bit more mixed than that, you have somebody wearing both hats or multiple different hats. How do you, um, or, or can you paint the picture of how those different roles work together so that they don't step on each other's toes, so that they communicate properly, they make sure the right information is handled at the right time, and, and all of those different processes that I'm sure are, are critical to the success of that team working in the SOC? Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things that we, you know, are, is fundamental within our environment is communications. Uh, in larger teams, oftentimes that can be hindered. Uh, but in smaller teams, I think it's easier to do. Uh, we all work close together. Well, right now we're not because of the COVID. We're all uh, working from home. However, before this, when we're all in the office, it's easy to stay in communications. And it, it still is today with, with all the, the applications and gadgets we can use to communicate. But communications is key. Is key. So anytime we have uh, something like an incident, once an incident is identified, and a notice is sent out like an all call, just letting everybody know that this is going on. So be aware you may be pulled into it. So we try to make sure that anytime something is going on, uh, everybody knows about it. So for example, when we're doing a pen test against one of our own clients, uh, we let everybody know so that when they see things going on in the environment, uh, they can check to make sure it's us, but you know, they're, they're not totally thrown off and, and don't immediately call a three alarm fire when it's really ourselves doing it. So we need we, communication is key, uh, when, especially when you're, you've got all the different hats to be worn. And so when you're thinking about building a team, whether it's, it's for a smaller SOC or potentially a larger one, are there entry level positions that you can think of? Like, are there specific positions where you might consider an entry level person to fill that position or Absolutely. what does that look like? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, we entry level. Absolutely. And generally they come in uh, as just as a single hat wear, put it that way. <laughs> and you start off uh, looking, doing security analysis. So you're looking at uh, reports from the SIM. Uh, you might get the first line of alerts that come out saying, hey, a new user account was created or something. Uh, just for simple example. So at that point, you need to make sure that that is a, was a valid user account that was supposed to be created and not you know, from an attacker who gained access to the system. So it's simple. It, we try to bring you in and you start with learning what is logged from different systems. Uh, so you can kind of know what to look for at that point. And, and it, it is a learning process. And when you, someone's brought in at the entry level, of course, you're not expected to know all of this stuff. Uh, you should have some basic, you know, fundamentals about security and understand that, you know, there's operating systems and they generate logs and, uh, what networking is, but not be a networking expert per se. And then, so you'll kind of just learn as you go at that point. And, and what we really look for too, is folks who want to learn, you know, they're, they're not, they don't want to be a security analyst necessarily for, for 30 years. They have greater aspirations. They, they want to get into security and they want to learn. So the key is once you get in and get your feet wet and you're, you're good and steady with, with your current role, then we'd like to kind of provide some training uh, from internal training so that we can coach these people uh, who are the entry-level folks 
into what interests them. Are they interested in incident response? Are they in, interested in uh, pen testing? But we want to make sure that we provide them training that we to train them how we do it so that everybody does it the same way. Uh, and we know they're not getting training uh, maybe from somebody on, I don't know, on YouTube who may not actually have the experience, but mm -hmm. they're, you know, so we'd like to make sure that uh, we do our internal training and, and coach these folks up so they can succeed and grow and, and wear other hats if they'd like to. So you mentioned the ability to review logs and, and actions that are happening there, maybe flag certain actions that look out of the norm. And then you also mentioned some networking skills, obviously not being a networking expert, but having some fundamentals of what that look like, looks like. Can you describe a little bit more of some of those specific networking skills? Like if you look at a resume, maybe what, what are some tools or projects that they've done that would stand out to you and that would look really impressive? Oh, sure. Well, um, I guess if they had like a Network Plus certification starting off, I mean, that shows that they went through and, and learned the base, some networking basics, uh, or if they had a CCNA even, or, or a CCN, one of the lower level uh, Cisco certifications. But, you know, that's not a requirement per se, but that would be something that would jump out at me on a resume. Hmm. Or if maybe they had uh, maybe a portfolio where they had shown uh, network topology of, of networks that they had created virtually with like GNS3, which is, uh, an application, it's like a hypervisor, like VMware or VirtualBox that allows you to run um, network devices like switches and routers and firewalls and virtually, and you can make your own networks in there. So things like that, I mean, would be great. That would be uh, very impressive to show me that you built this network and it can communicate in the end. Because the, the idea of why do you, you know, why does an analyst need to know about networking? Well, it's because we need you to understand when you're looking at uh, IP addresses, per se, um, on, a, on a log entry, is that an internal address? Is it an external address? You need to understand, you know, how to look up the address and see where it comes, you know, what country of origin is it, you know, <laughs> things like that. Um, so that really helps. And then as an analyst, you might get into looking at packet captures uh, oftentimes to see what's going on within the data packet itself. And that, you know, again, that goes back to some networking fundamentals. And so let's say that you have a resume that crosses your desk and, and you've opened that security analyst position. You're looking for somebody who, who is more entry level and they, they have some of that networking experience. So maybe they've created some of those projects with network topologies and they might have, let's say, the Network Plus certification. The resume is looking really good. Let's say maybe you have two identical resumes that have all those credentials I just mentioned. Maybe what are some of the other either tools or skills or projects or credentials that they could have that you would look at and say, you know what, that's, that's a really good sign. It shows that they're very interested in this field, very passionate about it, and they have a lot of room for potential and growth. What, what would you say are some things that could stand out that way? Well, if they're wanting to get into the security field, especially into a SOC environment, mm -hmm. um, what would stand out is if maybe they had worked with uh, security onion, for instance, it's a, a SIM platform, open source, you can throw it on a virtual machine, uh, easy to deploy, but it gives you the tools uh, to do some analysis. It's going to collect the log. It's going to, you're going to be able to search through and do queries on the logs. And there's lots of training online on how to use it. And it's not difficult to set up or use. So it just takes a little bit of time and effort. But if you stand that up and actually learn how to look at logs with that, man, that's going to go a long way uh, to being a security analyst in a SOC.
especially as an entry level, you're going to have mm-hmm. some additional benefits and knowledge already uh, under your belt at that point. And I know you mentioned some other tools and technologies that can that can really help bolster that resume for an entry level position in the prior episode. So again, if you, if this you find this interesting and you're getting a lot of value from this kind of advice, definitely check out Bob's other episode because we kind of dive even further into that. But Bob, it kind of sounds like you're describing maybe three three to four different key things that that keep popping back up. Obviously, you've got the networking side of it, you've got the logs being able to to run through that. Are there any other tasks that you think they could prepare for and learn how to do really, really well so that, you know, first week on the job, they're already excelling if they were to, to get that position. Is there anything else you can think on that about on that front? Well, uh, one thing is don't be, would be your communications and openness. Uh, this, this is more of a people skill kind of thing, but a lot of folks in it uh, tend to be kind of introverts or shy. <laughs> well, overcome that and, don't be afraid to ask questions. If you see something you don't understand, ask about it. Uh, the worst thing you can do is sit there and not understand what you're doing and not get your questions answered. Because when you come in, especially as an entry-level person, boy, we expect you to ask tons of questions. And that's what we want. That's what I want. I don't want – because if you just sit there and I ask, how's it going? And, and the response is, oh, going good. And that's all <laughs> I mean, come on, you got questions. I know you do. Just just don't be afraid to ask. That can be really hard for people, like you said, I, myself included. There's been so many times when I don't know if it's information overload or you know, your, your brain just seems to be fried, but sometimes there's so much going on around you that you don't, even if you know you have questions, you can't really think of any on the spot. And if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, do you have any questions I can help you with? You're just kind of sitting there like, uh, no, 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 I'm, I'm all good. I've, I've got this. When in reality, you're just probably overwhelmed with that. Do you have any tips? Have you seen any things that can help beginners overcome that or or get better at it? Well, I mean, other than asking questions, um, that, I don't know, that's a tough one. (laughs) Yeah, maybe it's just me. I don't know. Sometimes I've I've run across that. Other times it's it's fine. I can ask all the questions in the world, but there definitely seems to be like a, a threshold if maybe you're, you're overwhelmed. So I guess one tip I could give is if you start to feel that way, I think that's totally fine. You know, maybe that's just not the day where you need to go home and, and take a nap and kind of soak all that information in and, and try again the next day. And then maybe break it down into smaller chunks, like try to figure out, okay, on the networking side, here's what I know. Here's what I don't know. Here's where I should ask questions to Bob or on the log side, you know, I'm having a hard time finding this kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe you try to break it down and, and that might be helpful, but um, yes. ho- hopefully not too many people have the same issue that I've run across sometimes. Oh, well, and the thing is, you know, what what we try to do is with the new folks, we, we expect, again, we expect lots of questions. And if they feel that I'm hoping and we tell them, you know, Hey, if you need help understanding something, just let us know. We've got lots of people here that know a lot about a lot of different things. And, you know, if you need help with, X, Y, networking, let's say, or you need help understanding um, different types of authentication, then we can actually kind of set up a little bit of a training roadmap so that we can sit you down with some people uh, to go over that information, to really kind of build up your, your skills where you're weak so that, or you feel you're weak so that we can strengthen you up and, and, and really get you on the right path. 
I'd love to hear the focus on the training piece that the organization had and, and that you have as well. I know that you know how important training is because of, of your background in training and, and how important that's been. But there are a lot of organizations, unfortunately, that don't invest in that kind of training for their employees. So if, if that's the case, if you've got somebody who's listening and maybe they've already gotten that job, but they're trying to get to a different level, they don't want to stick to that, that security analyst position or, or wherever they are, but they can't tap into an employee-sponsored training program, how would, they, how would you recommend that they find the right training, that they even figure out what roadmap to follow? Well, first, I'd tell you they need to figure out what they want to study. You know, where do they want to go? Do you want to do pen testing or incident response, or you just you just want to do more analyst? Uh, either way, there's lots of training on on YouTube. Uh, just I always recommend if you're going to just jump in there and watch anybody that you cover the same material with more than one person uh, or more than one trainer that you find on there, just because you get to see different people's takes on whatever you're learning. And a lot of times they, everybody has their own, uh, you know, the, everybody has, you know, a lot of people, different experiences. So you can feed from different trainers experiences, which is just going to, you know, add to your toolbox of knowledge. So uh, YouTube, lots of great free stuff. There's believe it or not, there's a lot of free training on all kinds of uh, information security areas online uh, depending on what it is. So you just kind of have to look around for it. Um, there's a lot of podcasts that are out there. Uh, for instance, the uh, Black Hills Information Security, which is a security firm uh, out of the, the Dakotas, I believe. And they put out a ton of free training and podcasts and all kinds of great stuff because they're giving back to the community. So, you know, look them up, take advantage of that. There's, there's several organizations that do that, that give back to the information security community because there is a lack of incoming talent. Mm -hmm. And we're really trying to bolster uh, that and provide some free content to get people up to speed and help them to feel comfortable in the environment. Well, and you mentioned a few different career paths that working in a SOC can even help you go towards, right? You've got the pen testing side, the incident response, networking, and, and some of the other ones that you mentioned. So one, one of the things that you could do is try to figure out which path you're most interested in. And you may not know 100%. Most people do not, frankly. But mm -hmm. one of the ways to figure that out is to try it out. So maybe you start taking training, training for pen testing. And as you go through that, you realize that it's just not for you. You're not really enjoying it. And sometimes there's that initial friction. So don't just give up. You know, the, the first time you, you take something, keep trying. And if you're still not feeling the passion for it, maybe try something different. Maybe go the networking route or, or things like that. Are there any other kind of career paths that you've seen people go through after oh, working at a SOC? Sure, absolutely. Uh, a lot of some folks would go will go down the route of compliance. So you're dealing with uh, different compliance like HIPAA and PCI. Uh, CMMC is a newer one. So there's different types of compliance or rules that you have to that organizations have to follow to be uh, X Y Z compliant, and and that's based on the business that they're in and what the requirements are. So uh, some people will go down that route and. Along with that comes auditing, like uh, being a security information security auditor, so that you understand what the compliance requirements are, and you can go audit an organization to see kind of where they're at and perform what's called a gap analysis to find out where they are today and where they need to be in order to be compliant. So, you know, compliance is actually really big 
um, uh, in the information security field. You know, and then of course we talked about your security analysts and incident response and pen testing. So yeah, absolutely do. If you're, you think you're interested in, if you're starting out and you think you're interested in something other than a security analyst or uh, then definitely go take some training and try it out. Uh, you know, make sure it's something that you're really interested in. Don't, I mean, I would say, I wouldn't recommend you, you think today, man, I want to be a pen tester. So, so you, what you do is you, you know, start off as an analyst and then you apply all, all these places for pen testing, like a junior pen tester or something. You get there and you find out you don't like it. Mm-hmm. Not really a good spot to be in. So spend some time doing training and make sure it's something that you want to do. And if you need help with that, by the way, we're available at Cyber to help with that. That's something that we're really passionate about doing and why we have episodes like this with Bob. So please reach out at Cyber. We, we've got a little bit of training as well. We've got some application security stuff going on right now. But if, if you need to figure out what that path is and you know, you're listening to this episode and, and you've got some great guidance from Bob, but you still need that extra push or guidance, please reach out and maybe we can connect and even maybe reach out to Bob and see if he has any, any follow-up advice to that. But to wrap up the, the episode, Bob, you, you've been mentioning communication as being one of the cre- key critical components. And mm-hmm. I, I can't agree more. I feel like it's one, if not the biggest issue that the majority of businesses have out there right now. And so when you think about communication with your own internal team, but also with the clients and I'm sure other IT or business units in the organization, who, what teams would you say that you interact with the most? And the reason I'm asking that too is because maybe that could be a, a potential team that somebody from a SOC might be able to, to jump to afterwards if they're interested in that as well. So what, what are some of those IT teams or business teams that you interact with a lot? Well, we work with our operations team where we have system engineers and network engineers. Uh, we work who, who support because not only do we manage security, uh, we also offer managed IT services. So we do general IT services for many organizations. And so if maybe you, you start out in security and you and you think, you know, this is okay, but I think I'd like to do, you know, systems or network engineering. So we work a lot with them because when we see something going on that we want to investigate, you know, we'll reach out to the people uh, who are working on that account, who, you know, they're IT folks, basically, who su- provide day-to-day support in that environment because they're the ones in there every day and they see what's going on and what's normal and not. So when we see something we want to investigate, we'll touch base with them and say, hey, I see this going on. Is this something that's normal or, you know, can you give me any information on that? So, often, you know, we work with them a lot. We work with with um, our internal IT department because that's separate from us because of uh, compliance and pro- providing, you know, we treat ourselves as a security client as well. Uh, and then there's the compliance that I mentioned, you know, we're working on compliances. So we help provide some feedback on that and kind of provide some steering direction on where to go with that and how to proceed. Uh, we also work with HR, believe it or not, as a security services, oftentimes we might be asked, you know, to take a look at uh, the activities of one of our own users that's, that's in the company, just because uh, there's some, you know, weird things going on and we're not quite sure if, if they might be an insider threat or not. So mm-hmm. it may be to see if, if uh, they're trying to access things that they don't have permissions to, which is, you know, something that can kind of be a, f- a flag for an insider threat, because believe it or not, you know, as much as we'd like to think everybody in I 
NFT is is on the up and up and are all good people, sometimes, you know, in, insider threats happen and you just kind of need to be aware of it. Yeah, insider threats are a huge threat. Probably one yeah. of the top ones, actually. Yes, absolutely, because they're already on the inside. Mm-hmm. So they've breached the perimeter by being an employee. So, you know, we hate to think about that, uh, but it's something to be aware of. And, and, you know, you do have to keep an eye out. When Bob, fantastic advice as always. I really appreciate you jumping on a second episode with us. And can you think of anything else that we haven't covered that maybe you have on your mind to share? I think the biggest thing is (laughs) information security is not rocket surgery. That's an LOL. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. I mean, it's not overly complicated. Anybody can do it. All you got to do is want to learn about it and, you know, have an interest in it. So don't let, don't, I don't want you to think, well, you know, this is, I'm just not smart enough. Mm -hmm. I just can't do this because anybody can do it. I'm telling you, I'm not exactly uh, (laughs) the smartest guy in the world and I can do it just fine. So anybody out there can do it. Uh, Don't let that be a deterrent. And there's lots of free training online, take advantage of Mm -hmm. it. And, you know, there's not really an excuse for someone who wants to do it not to proceed so just take that you know and run with it so if you're interested you can do it and uh, i'd love to see you out there such a very true point because and the problem is i think that it can be very overwhelming or it can feel like there's a lot of barriers to entry and i know a lot of times when you know you're searching for some fairly basic answers or questions sometimes that to you are, are not basic because you're just getting started and you're struggling with it and you might pull up a response on google and somebody tells you well you know, you have no business being in this field if you don't know the answer to that already and, and that kind of attitude unfortunately i think is is too common especially in this kind of industry and so i would say try to find a community that's much more welcoming than that because they're out there and and i like to think that that cyber is one of those but there are many others as well try to find those friendly and welcoming communities ignore all of the negative things that you see and don't let that get to your head because i know it can i've been there believe that you can do it it is not rocket science like bob said believe in yourself you've got this reach out for help don't don't be too don't have too much ego that you can't reach out for help be humble about it and people will help i promise um Absolutely. so fantastic advice like i said bob go, sorry go ahead Oh, I was going to say one last thing is, you know, if you find a good community that you're enjoying and you like and to participate in, don't be afraid to to ask somebody to help, you know, kind of be a mentor so that you can they can be a trusted resource that you can ask questions and uh, be assured that you're going to get truthful answers and and good guidance. Well, and on that note, Bob, if, if somebody wants to connect or if they have any follow up questions, how can they reach you? Well, I spend most of my my social media time goes to LinkedIn. So I'm on there. Um, Robert is, I go by Robert Salmons, although, you know, I go by Bob, but you can find me on there. It's uh, last name is S-A-L-M-A-N-S. If you want to look on there, I'm on there, shoot, shoot me a connect and I'll connect with you. And then we can, we can chat via that way. And, and uh, Hey, I'm there. So reach out. Fantastic. And likewise on this end, if you want to reach out, I'm on LinkedIn, mostly active on LinkedIn, like Bob, Christoph Limpelair, and that's L-I-M-P-A-L-A-I-R. And then the same, I think it's Christoph Limp or Limp. Yeah, I think it's something like that on Twitter. I'm not as active on Twitter, but if you reach out there, I'll definitely see it as well. Uh, but hope to, to connect. And again, Bob, thank you for, for coming out for this episode for a second time. Really enjoyed it. 
If you like this episode, please let us know, reach out. We'd love to connect and uh, look forward to, to seeing you in, in the next episodes.